0: while. How are you? I'm okay, I'm okay, uh, omri son, Jason, father, are you uh, excited to be doing this bonus episode?
1: I hope so, depends how it turns out, but uh, (laughs) let's see what happens. You're
0: not excited to do it? You're only excited if it turns out well?
1: Well, we'll see if we have something interesting to say.
0: We will indeed. Let us see. Welcome to Spies and Lies, an espionage podcast, and on this special episode, a special bonus episode, we will be looking at the Ukraine crisis. This is our second dive into the Ukraine crisis, and we had a couple requests from different people to look at it again, and we thought, why not? It's it's still happening, there's far-reaching ramifications, so let's get into it. But first, I will begin with a little reminder from an old friend. Don't call me old, please. When you surround an army, leave an outlet free. Do not press a desperate foe too hard. Victorious warriors win first, then go to war, while defeated warriors go to war first and then seek to win. That's a very interesting and very important thing. Sun Tzu, our old friend, the old master, back from episode one, I thought particularly apt quotes from from his Art of War and Art of Spycraft. I listened back to our old part one episode just, just recently bef- before we recorded this, and I was struck by how much is still relevant, how much is still unknown. But one thing that we only touched on briefly that I think has become all, more, all the more relevant is this first quote. When you surround an enemy, leave an outlet free. Do not press a desperate foe too hard. What does this mean? When you have a person who's cornered, they have nowhere to go and they have to fight. Which means they'll fight to the end. If you give them an out, give them a victory, give them an opening, give them something something that they feel like they can seize, they'll go for it. In 100% war terms, the Mongols used this. They encircled an enemy, but left one gap open, and so the enemy, instead of fighting to the last, fled, and then they slaughtered them, rather than fighting till the end. But in this context, we have a situation where we are 139 days into this war, into this conflict. Putin has not won. And he has no end. He has no outlet. He has nowhere to run. He has nowhere to seize victory. And so if he just stops and makes peace now, that's admitting defeat. I I don't agree. Okay. Tell me why.
1: Well, if we look at the first episode that we did on, on Ukraine, and I think there were two things in mind that I would like to mention here that I think are important. One, we talked about what the aims are and... What does it mean if he wants to take over Ukraine and the devastation of a country? And the other thing is, how will the West respond? I think in these two aspects, there was a win and a loss for both of them. The first thing, if you look at it from Ukraine point of view, Ukraine has won one battle, the battle of defying itself, or I would say making the Russians understand that Ukraine is not part of Russia. And that is something that Putin lost. He lost in the first couple of days when he realized that Ukraine is not going to just lie down and allow itself to uh, welcome the Russian forces or the 18-year-olds walking into a country where they didn't even know what they were doing there and never thought they'll have resistance against them. So he lost. He then had to decide what he wants to get out of this war. And from his point of view, changing the aims of the war made it possible for him to find a way to declare a
0: victory when he eventually do it. What victory can he declare? Because he has not actually stated his aims for this war. They've changed. So yes, right now, I can agree with you. He can say, we're ending the war because we seized the eastern and southern parts, and we have a route now to the Black Sea, and we've done it. We did what we set out to do. We captured this thing. But that's a lie, and everyone knows it's a lie. Because that's not what they set out to do. They tried to take Kiev, they failed. Well, he has stated numerous times that he wanted to do other things, and it hasn't happened. So he can't just claim now, "Oh, well, actually, everything that we've taken so far is what we actually intended to do." So this well, is well, that's so
1: exactly what he's doing. Because that's the only way he can declare war. He can say, and he is saying, the only reason to take Kiev and to change the power in Kiev was eventually to take the regions he wanted them to be part of Russia. That's what we so, call retconning. Exactly, he's trying to rewrite history. Exactly, it's not a real victory. But it, if in his, in the end, we will talk about how I see the end result. It's victory. The other element that we talked about is: is it going to develop into a third world war, or is it going to become a complete war that will take over the whole of Europe? And I think that was avoided by, I would say, some. The war is not no, over. No, we are
0: 139 days. No, it's into not over, but it's but it's
1: it's confined to to Ukraine. I think that's one of the important things that came out of this war, the unity of NATO or the West, and its ability to stand firm, stop the Russians thinking that they can start going and developing another front, and making sure that NATO all of a sudden is relevant again. And I think that's very important what happened. And not only did it happen that NATO became relevant again, is that Countries that up till now were not part of NATO wanted to join, and they were talking about Finland and Sweden, and that Russia cannot do anything about it.
0: Okay, well, let's talk about Finland and Sweden. Yes. So Finland and Sweden want to join NATO. Yes. They are taking all the steps now to do so. Yes. Right. This is a direct result of, of the, Russian the Russian aggression in Ukraine and feeling right. that they needed some sort of to be part of a bulwark exactly. to be able to counter Russia. Right. However, they're not part of NATO yet. They're in the process of joining it. And in this process, there's a particular country that is making moves to try to block them from joining. And that country is Turkey. Actually, it stopped. It's actually
1: supporting, allowing them to happen. It's no longer a veto by Turkey. And Finland and Sweden are going to join NATO. But it's not that they're going to join NATO. It's not, you have to look at it in the bigger picture. The fact that they want to join NATO means NATO is still relevant. Just before the Ukraine war, there was a question, what do we need NATO for? the americans at the trump time said well, nato what do you need it for it's it's old news it's something from the past it's not a threat the countries didn't think they have to support it they didn't need military forces cutting down budgets this all this has all changed so if you look at what we said in the beginning about nato about making a stand yes they made a stand. You're not going to attack any NATO country. That means being part of NATO makes it very, very relevant. Of course. So from NATO this point of view, is a bulkhead. It's a it's a So allied from a that point front. of view, so from that point of view, Russia
0: lost that battle. Okay? Has it? I mean, I don't know where you're getting this information about Turkey not blocking it. They're looking to block it. They're looking to stop it. No,
1: Turkey is not, as far as I am aware, Turkey is not looking to block it. But let's continue this. this but sort I want to talk about Turkey. Okay? Want to talk about
0: Turkey? I want to talk about Turkey, even though it isn't Thanksgiving. Look. Turkey, as it's now called, is an ally of Russia. Why is it an ally of Russia? They have a lot of mutual joint operations happening and agreements and all this kind of thing. And so Turkey, acting as it is, even if it's not now officially trying to block Sweden and Finland from joining, they made moves and grumbles about it. What does this mean? It means that everything is interconnected. There's more going on here. At this stage, at this moment,
1: Erdogan is not... As he was uh, a year or two ago, he's much more vulnerable. Therefore, I don't see a problem with him allowing Finland and Sweden to join NATO. There's no, but problem I don't. I don't, want to, go, this, I, but but I don't want to go. But I don't. Yes, I would like us to look at, for a moment at the economical situation in Ukraine and what this war means. What does it mean to Russia? What does it mean to Ukraine? When we spoke about the first time, we talked about the devastation, and someone's going to have to pay for
0: it. We did our first podcast on this when it was three days into the conflict, right. and Russia had not been inflicting damage to infrastructure and civilians in any direct targeting. It and why, happened. Why? Look, I don't want to retread the, the episode, but we're not in that situation anymore. Yeah, but okay? why, why is that? Because they... We thought they, that potentially an endgame was annexing or puppet state. Neither of those seem likely at this point. So what is he doing He's devastating Ukraine. He's bombing infrastructure. He's attacking civilians, he being Putin, leveling cities, not to the extent that he could, but doing a lot of damage. What does this indicate? This doesn't indicate a force that wants to then take over and control these territories because you've just damaged them. So what does this speak to an end goal? He's angry. He's losing. Or he hasn't won as much as he wanted to or thought he would. 139 days against the mighty Russian army. Little Ukraine. Where's his big victory? Where's the way that he can walk out with a big metal and shining face and say, I'm so powerful, look at how great. By retconning and say, ooh, look at this little sliver that I control.
1: Yes. But even then, that I want us
0: to Ukraine disc- is planning a one million person army with weapons back from the West to go and retake those places. I think
1: it's a mistake. I'll tell you what I think. I want us to... Look at the economic game that's going on here, and let me continue with my thought here, okay? You have Ukraine hit by the Russians. Eventually, come, there'll be a solution. We'll talk about the solution that I think is the best way for Ukraine and probably the safe face for Russia. Someone's going to have to pay money to rebuild Ukraine. Ukraine will find its way out of it. But the big question is, all the territory that now Russia is taking and holding, and they think is going to be part of Russia, is quite devastated because the Ukrainians gave a big, a strong fight over these areas. Now, who's going to pay for that? Russia, probably. But Russia has money to do it. So, what's going to happen? And this is the key, in my opinion, to Ukrainian future and success. I may be jumping a step ahead, but I'll go and jump anyway. I think the best way out of it for Ukraine is to say to the Russians, "Okay, you've won part of my territory." We uh, accept this situation. It's unfortunate, but Ukraine stays as a country. It has majority of its country still stays in Ukraine. And the West and Ukraine start rebuilding itself and develop themselves. And then what happens to all the parts the Russians are holding?
0: I I, I think what you're saying is incredibly naive and ill-informed.
1: Thank you, my son.
0: Why is that? It, it it refutes everything that we talked about almost on my side from the last conversation we had on this subject and conversations that we've had in the interim. If Zelensky today says, okay, Putin, what you've taken is yours. Let's end this. Zelensky gets voted out of office tomorrow. The Ukrainians will not tolerate that. The Ukrainians I... don't want to surrender all of those territories. The only thing keeping Ukraine together... Is resistance at the moment The second they don't resist, there is no unity. No, I don't agree. It, it goes into uh, factionalism. No.
1: as long as there's resistance and, and success, they have a chance. But what is happening that slowly, slowly they're moving out their forces from some of these territories to build themselves up again, M- their major elite forces were engaged in the territories that the Russians basically managed to take, and that's okay. Was, Zelensky said himself is taking out some of his forces out of the cities so that he can regroup and then and do course. something about regroup it. regroup so. and
0: counterattack. The West is finally supplying arms and things. It takes time. There's foreign troops even. Mercenary yeah, there's no foreign thing. troops. Mercenary foreign. T- have, have to be careful what you say, foreign troops. Yes. Mercenary volunteers. There's involvement, okay? Attrition plays a part here. Russia is isolated. This whole thing that I said earlier, Zelensky is planning to, they're planning on raising a million-person strong army backed with weapons from the West to then go and retake things. This is not a person who is going to surrender. The whole reason that Ukrainians were able to resist for 139 days was not because we'll fight them off as best we can until a peaceful solution can be. It's like, no, this is not your home. This is our home. And we will not let you take it from us. That is Ukrainian pride. That is Ukrainian nationalism currently today. That is the spirit and feeling on the ground. Again, I'll remind you, I have Ukrainian friends. I'm in touch with Ukrainians. I'm speaking with them. This is the sentiment. They do not want their president to surrender the eastern and southern territories for peace. And then hope that somehow in the future, they'll get it back. This
1: is not some. So they're willing to pay the price of continuing war and fighting? And more territories taken over by the Russians?
0: Why are there going to be more territories taken over by the Russians? As far as the Ukrainian national spirit and pride is concerned, they are pissed off at, as they see it, 21st century Hitler and the Nazi regime coming and taking their territory. And now they will fight them back for 139 days. They've already done that. They're stronger now, they're more organized, they're better trained, they're getting more supplies, and they will fight tooth and nail to reclaim what was taken from them. Now, I'm not saying they'll reclaim everything. I'm not saying that. Who knows what will happen? And of course, Russia has the nuclear option. Correct. But at the moment, Ukraine feels cornered.
1: You know, what was your first sentence that you said? You have to have, say, face, both sides. Both sides, both sides, but both sides currently feel cornered so if you want you want Putin to leave everything and go out with in no success at all, what will be a success for Putin in your mind if in the what you're saying is if he lo- if he if they retreat from all their territories or they don't go in then the ukrainians win what's it for putin why why where, he- where is
0: Putin's victory yes Putin's victory I seen. In a couple of the following places, okay? Kiev falls. Zelensky dies.
1: Yeah, but that's not happening.
0: Yet. 139 days they've fought. Why are they just going to give up tomorrow, okay? Okay. Or huge, huge, huge chunks, more even are taken out, three. And four is an economic one. The West buckles and they ease tensions in order to relieve strain from oil and grain.
1: No, what you're saying here is a zero-sum game. You're saying all one wins, all one loses. There's yes. no in the middle.
0: I don't see a middle ground here. I do. Okay. If Zelensky offers any sort of terms that are not in Ukrainians' views a victory for Ukraine, he'll be ousted. They won't accept it.
1: I disagree. Okay. I think you're you have to look at it from where it started and when the war started, there was a question, is Ukraine going to stay Ukraine? And I think one of the most important things that Zelensky did, and this war has brought, you could say, in, to the front, is the fact that Ukraine is a state. is a state that's not a puppet to Russia. They have their own history, their own identity, and Zelensky put them together as a nation. Once again, as a nation that's not dependent on Russia. Yes, they have a lot of things in common, but they have a lot of things that are not in common anymore. And Zelensky did that made it happen. Now, you could say, is that enough? Maybe. But he, he kept Ukraine, maybe not 100%, all the territory they had before, but 85% or 80% of Ukraine is Ukraine. Very, very important. And that he did. Another thing he did, he made Ukraine basically be part of Europe and the European Union, then connected to Russia. As you know, there's now a fast track to accept Ukraine into the European Union. Yes, something that was not there before. NATO was a different. NATO is a is a something that's not going to happen. But if you look at what he achieved from that point of view, he's already achieved much more from the beginning when the conflict started. Some of the territories, anyway, the Russians controlled or Russian separatists who or Ukrainian separatists who wanted to be part of Russia. So okay, he lost some cities, he lost some ground, he lost some good important areas, but he didn't lose the most important thing, the Ukrainian people as a nation, independent. And that is a success that Putin was not going to have. Putin thought he will have it, and he doesn't. When I look at the longer range and the longer target, when I go back to the economics, what wins everything is in economics in the end. You know, military is good, but economics is what makes things happen. In my vision, the people who, the Ukrainian territories that will be taken by the russians will see that being under russia with no capabilities of the russians to help them and rebuild the cities they'll be living in underdeveloped cities the things are not working still looking as if it was like after the second world war in this case like the ukraine war while the territories that belong to ukraine are going to be flourishing again and that will tip the balance eventually that the people in ukraine who are forced to be under russia Will want to go back and be part of Ukraine, and how will
0: they do that? Time, 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 and uh, what you and have a to, conflict and uh, a land deal to when trade Putin, territories when Putin
1: when Putin if is Putin no longer passes around. away and yes.
0: he, some the next person will just give it back. It won't just
1: give it back. It will be the same way it started. Why people are demanding to go back? There'll be a referendum, whatever. There'll be in the end. I see that's the scenario that's a win-win. Putin will say, "I won." Okay, Zelensky said okay,
0: I understand the situation. But even you now saying, Putin will say I won, okay, and you kind of roll your eyes. If Putin says he wins, wins and then you roll your eyes, everyone else is rolling their eyes. That's not a real victory. It, it, he can afford
1: that. Correct. But if you want to save lives and you want to avoid bloodshed and you Putin want to Putin wants so, to save lives no, 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 and no, avoid no. bloodshed? No, he doesn't care. It's 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 not his people who are fighting there. It's really not he doesn't really care about it's what, what he looks in the books. But from his point of view, from Putin's point of view, he can then say he achieved what he thought is his goals and say, Okay, I'm willing to cease fire, I'm willing to stop it doesn't have to be a peace agreement, it could be a ceasefire, it could be something else. But in the end, if you look about twenty, fifty, thirty, whatever years you look at it, in the end those territories will come back to Ukraine just because the economic situation in Ukraine will be so big. it's like exactly Germany and West Germany. The reason West East Germany failed was the economic situation in the end. They just couldn't cope and they saw what was going on the other side. They wanted to be part of of Germany. East Germany wasn't a real East Germany, it was Germans that was under the communist rule, and eventually the the gap between the two Germans was so big that these Germans wanted to be part of Germany. The same thing will happen here. Remember when the Berlin Wall fell?
0: Yes. What year was that? 1990. Okay. When did World War II end? 45, right? Yes. Okay. It's a lot of years to wait.
1: Well, not that. Not Not won't be so many this time. So I see that as a scenario, a realistic scenario, and I would like to say that Always look at the bigger picture here.
0: Of course. So let's look at the bigger picture. Okay. Putin, okay, part of this war could be said was to bolster his own position in a political sphere in Russia that was starting to look not so positive for him. Well, right now, I would say, again with that corner thing, he hasn't got that big victory. No. Okay. And he won't have it. Maybe he won't.
1: He won't. He will not be able to take Well. Kiev.
0: Putin states that Russia has barely started its actions in Ukraine. They have a lot more. They have barely started. They've barely even lifted a finger towards it. This is what he says. Now, do we believe this? Do we not? One thing for sure is they haven't used nuclear, and I hope they don't. That would be terrible. He also says in the very same conference that he's, of course, ready to sit down and talk. He wants to talk. Putin's a master of doublespeak. Okay? Now, you say... He should make a a deal, save face, supposedly he's ready to sit down and talk. Or, supposedly he's just begun. Which is it? At the same time, there's Russian manpower shortages. Their armies are starting to need more men and more troops. But, there's so much resistance and frustration inside Russia that they're afraid to call for a general mobilization of troops, right? Fearing protests, so they're trying other options in Russia. They're extending the age limit of volunteers. They're doing sort of like covert recruitments through like the use of calling up more reservists and different things. Me, at just, the same just, time, once, there's once, conscription once, offices being set on fire in Russia. Okay, just, okay? For, Omri, just for one moment.
1: At that, at that episode you just talked about, Putin realized that bringing in fresh soldiers is not the answer. So the only way he could actually make a difference was bringing in more mature soldiers or veterans. Where did he get them from? Chechnya and Syria, he's and he bringing was bringing in mercenaries. In, he's bringing in mercenaries that means he? You, you can't just build an army by taking an eighteen-year-old and putting, giving him a gun, and he's now an army. No. So, but How he did doesn't. Russian, do it then? It's something else fighting for your, for your street, and fighting in your street, than taking an army with a tank and starting to write it. So fighting
0: what you know you're fighting for.
1: Exactly. So, what is Russia doing? It's going to some of their allies and recruiting people to help them. People who are willing to work, willing to fight for money, or willing to fight because that's the way of life. And they have experience. So, where's the experienced guys coming from? From Chechnya, because they're always uh, eager to do some fighting. And the veterans in Syria, including Syrians and others. So, he cannot rely at this stage on more Russian recruits.
0: Yes and no. Russian military tactics throughout history have not been, here are our most experienced guys who are going to take on the world. It's, here's more people and more people and more people and more people. Did we win yet? Right. That's been Russian military tactics throughout history. Yes. And wait for the winter. And wait for the winter. And wait for winter. That's when they're defending. So the fact that they can't bring more people because the people are so upset, this is a shift that the people are so resistant towards it. This is a shift. You have religious leaders who are also resistant to it. The Pope has been against this war. He's come out against it. He was supposed to go visit Russia. Hasn't done it yet. Now, okay, Russian Orthodox is not Catholics, but there's still a lot of religious people who look to the Pope. Uh, Even the chief rabbi, as far as I understand, was ousted for not supporting the war in Russia. You know, there is organized resistance as opposed to just Unorganized resistance, we saw uh, a newscaster in in Russia come and put on the Russian national news a billboard in the background protesting the war, and then of course she was fired. All the Russian news stations that's, that were against if she got fired if she that's, got fired that was maybe, only good yes. that was
1: the only thing that happened
0: There is resistance okay
1: so so let's go a little bit and look at it from a different angle. If they assassinate Zelensky is the war over from the Ukrainian side? no.
0: No, but then Russia can claim at least that he did that. Okay, and okay but okay. It's, so it's also, a, by the so it's way, just, just to, to finish the thing, four, almost 4 million Russians have also left Russia so far in 2022.
1: Well, there was a football match while they're serving free drinks somewhere. <laughs> now, if Zelensky leaves the arena, is that the end of the re- Ukrainian resistance? Probably not. But if Putin leaves, is that the end of the Russian aggression? Probably yes. So if you look at it from a personality point of view, Zelensky is a figurehead, but if you remove him, it doesn't mean you're going to change the whole situation. Ukraine is not going to suddenly sudden no, say no. But then that's a victory.
0: We're talking about symbolic victories. Okay,
1: so he gets rid of. The, so if Zelensky retires or Zelensky resigns, and just to save face for, and save his country, he he'll do it if no, that's what he does. I'm but he's not going to do it.
0: Retiring or resigning. I'm talking yeah, about eliminated okay if, if putin eliminates zelensky yes or if putin takes kiev
1: well forget right at the moment russia is not in a situation to take kiev
0: it can if it wants it can no, go, it, can't. it can press a button boom kiev is flattened and then it takes it. okay what does it take a nuclear uh
1: junkyard yes thank you very much who wants to live there not me <laughs> okay no no one wants to live there even the russians don't want even putin won't want to visit it he doesn't want to walk around in Kiev when it's destroyed by a nuclear um, weapons. That What does it sh- What does it do? So, if you're looking at it from a personality point of view, Zelensky is out. It's not the end of the war. But Putin is out. Maybe a different dynamic.
0: Russia's also fast-tracked Ukrainian-Russian citizenship applications, by the way. I'm trying to bring in support from Ukrainians in the territories that they've already conquered. Don't know how much success that's having, but... Uh it's, it's looking towards an endgame, but we don't know what the endgame is.
1: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
0: Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
1: Going back to the economic side of things. So he's giving them Russian documentation. Where do these people want to live?
0: Not in the middle of a war zone.
1: And now there's no war. Let's say now there's peace and quiet, no one's shooting and shelling. Where are they going to live? They want to go back to their cities. They didn't take the territory to leave it empty. What's in the territory? Can Russia actually have the money and infrastructure to build it up to what it used to be? I i am very doubtful that's the situation. And I, and I think in the end, that's the key factor. Well,
0: it depends on two things.
1: Okay, what is that? Oil and grain. Oil and grain. When you mix them together, what do you get? I don't know. I don't. Neither do I. <laughs> uh,
0: flammable things. Let's talk about oil and grain for a second. Okay. Okay. The world is hurting right now. Yes. Gas prices are extremely high, and even though we're not necessarily feeling is that it quite why I as walked hard here today, yeah. Okay. Even though we're not feeling it quite as hard as the gas prices, grain prices, or food prices. I don't know if you've noticed, are also on the increase. Yes. Ukraine is the breadbasket of Europe, uh, Africa too, different places. It produces a lot of grain, basically. Yes. Which can't go anywhere right now. A lot of difficulty getting it anywhere. Or harvesting it, even. Or even harvesting it. Now, if Putin, Russia, takes control of this, he controls the grain and people need to eat and you know, you're know, you not going to have a million people starve to death, you'll buy the grain. Now, gas is a little trickier. Gas and alliances. Well, India decided that it doesn't care and it doesn't want its people to pay Exorbitant prices for gas. And so it's continuing to buy gas from Russia. You know, it is worried about its population. It's not concerning itself with the bigger picture here on the other stuff.
1: Well, they have 1.3 billion, million
0: people. Billion, billion. Yes. Yes. So Russia is still making money from the Indians. Now, are they charging more? Who knows? But the point is, there's still an outlet there, right? Now, what does one outlet mean? Well, India can then go on and sell oil to America, let's say. I'm not saying it's doing this or not, but here's a way that through different channels, as you know, in the intelligence field, a neutral party can get two different parties to speak. So, okay, we're not going to get any oil from Russia, but we'll buy it from India, and India's going to buy it from Russia, and now we've worked around our little blockade. That's one thing. At the same time, we're looking at an Iran nuclear deal again, and we're looking at Iran as a potential oil option as well. It's all tied in, right? Right. Western nations are now looking for oil alternatives, at the same time Saudi Arabia, which when Biden took office, he said he was going to be very firm and strong against and had some harsh words, is suddenly much more friendly. He's just about to visit there. Exactly. And is looking again at oil options. In Germany, a gas pipeline to Russia has just recently closed for maintenance, likely to not reopen for political reasons. Oil. Oil is not just our cars. It's not just our planes. It's also electricity. Electricity prices go up when we don't have oil. Everything is connected. Power. Yes, but that's very
1: nice. But what's happening in Russia? How does it help Russia? Do you think the Russians have enough money to pay for everything? Are the Russian people suffering?
0: The Russian people are suffering, of course. People aren't buying their oil. Oil prices are going up. But eventually, and this is a game of cat or mouse, you know, chicken, I guess, more, more like, who's going to break? Like I said, India is already screw this. I'm getting the oil. What happens when winter rolls around and Europe can't heat its houses? Are they going to buy the oil? We haven't even talked about China here. So
1: what are you saying? Are you saying that Russia's winning? I'm no.
0: saying that Russia has cards to play. Okay. I'm saying that. But what what are, what cards do you think
1: Russia wants to play on the military side? You're saying that Russia feels that it still can take over all Ukraine, and I'm saying that's not going to happen.
0: I'm not saying that Russia can take over all of Ukraine. Like we said in the previous video, we had no idea what Russia's intent was, what Putin's intent was. Maybe at first he thought through bad intelligence that, you know, in a week I'll take all of Ukraine. and Correct. It'll Put a
1: puppet right? government, mm-hmm. take and over boom, the territories.
0: Yeah, done. 139 days into the war. I don't think he's under that illusion anymore. So what is the more realistic goals? What is the more realistic achievements that he can hope for? Is he hoping that the West cracks? It's not. Yet. Is he hoping that it will? Is he it's hoping not. Is he hoping for some certain territorial gain that he hasn't achieved yet and some bigger victory? Is he hoping for a fresh batch of troops to move forward? What is, we still don't know. We still do not know. He still has not said. He has not come out and said, this is what I want. He's not going to
1: say that because then if he doesn't get it, he's under problem. Exactly. That's why you don't say it. You just take the event that happened and you make the reality, make it what you want it to be. It says, okay, at this stage, we got the first stage, we took over territory, we took over the people who wanted to be under our under our um, our law and, and under the Russian country, and we've achieved what we wanted to. And the next stage will probably happen another time from his point of view. Now that you're saying, and you said right, rightfully, no, the Ukrainians are not going to stop. They're not going to, they want all the territory back, and they're not going to compromise.
0: Or at least most of the territory back.
1: Ah, that's what I was saying, exactly. I'm saying this is the where is the, the game to play. Zelensky and the Ukrainian people have to understand, they're not at this stage, or they want to stay fighting, or they want to find a way to keep whatever they have going. And you have to look at it from a different point of view, the refugees. A lot of, millions of Ukrainians, many women and children, fled Ukraine into the West. Mm-hmm. West, okay, Poland, Hungary, Germany, Moldova, Romania, they fled. 400,000 children expected to be enrolled in schools in, in Poland. Poland. Yes. yes. But what we don't know is how many actually returned from those refugees back to the areas that are now more calm, like Kiev and all the cities around them, that they were no longer under threat. I would say... Much more people are returning to Ukraine than leaving Ukraine these days. A lot of women and children are returning to their families, to their husbands, to their houses, to their businesses, because they have less, they're, they're less worried that they'll be occupied by the Russians. So there's a, a little bit of a calm, a little bit more of a trust that they can hold out. And that's a good thing.
0: Yes, the Ukrainians don't think they're going to be wiped off the map now. Exactly.
1: And that means they're more willing to compromise, because most of the majority of the people, have their homes or territory back in their hands? Yes, the ones that want to fled, the fled from the Mariupol and other areas that were really severely badly. I personally, badly. personally yes. know
0: two yes. people who I worked with yes. who are now dead as a result of the conflict. Yes, okay, yes, killed in action. Okay, okay. If I know two people, that means every Ukrainian that I worked with knows at least four. Okay, okay. when it's so personal and close to you, you're not prepared to just say, "Oh, okay." it's over.
1: No, but you realize that you fought for something that you managed to succeed. You've succeeded keeping Ukraine as an independent country. And that is something they didn't die in vain for. And this is what, if you're looking at the final situation there, it looks to me, it looks to me like you're worried that Zelensky might be ousted or he'll compromise. I think if he comes to the nation and says to rebuild Ukraine, to be strong, we will have to at this stage give up some of the territory for the future.
0: Yeah, but you, you're you assuming that Putin's going to agree to this. He's and claiming that he's open to talk. He's not. But if Putin
1: agrees to that, that these territories at this stage are his and he's not now having uh, going into, uh, for instance, take over all of the southern part, all the way to Moldova, so that he can have control over the whole of the the Black Sea, then it's a different scenario because at the moment Ukraine still has access through Odessa to the Black Sea. I think there'll be a status quo. And that, that probably is what's going to
0: happen. Well, we can only speculate.
1: Now I'll, g- I'll give you another angle. You talked about weapons and other equipment coming from the West. There's a very interesting thing that has happened that uh, not mentioned too much, but I thought it'd be an interesting touch for this uh, podcast. This is the first time that, for a long time, that the Russians are fighting in a territory with relatively modern weapons and using it themselves. And up till now, the West didn't have a chance to see how it works or to test their own weapons against it. They realized something very interesting, that by supplying all sorts of sophisticated weapons to the Ukrainians, it gives them a chance to see how good or how much more they have to improve in certain of, of the weapons that they're making and manufacturing. So there is an interest by the West to supply Ukraine with weapons, sophisticated weapons, to go against the Russian sophisticated weapons so they can see what is more sophisticated and what works and what doesn't work. That's why you'll find now more kinds of weapons that were not there in the beginning coming in now. Absolutely. And that wasn't there before because no one wanted to do it in the beginning. They didn't feel right to supply the Ukrainians with sophisticated weapons or Western weapons. Now, you find that the Russians are trying to target areas where the Ukrainians are getting their weapons, because they realize that these weapons, some of them, are more sophisticated. Now, the West is finding out that some of the sophisticated weapons that they the Russians are using actually are falling into Ukrainian hands. Good opportunity to have a look at them. Therefore, it's, it's a, in their interest to have a look at them. So, there's another angle of this war that's happening there. Business. Business. And you know, the, the arm dealers and arm factories and arm uh, companies are very influential in a lot of the countries.
0: Well, South Korea, for instance, is a very large arms supplier in South Korea who wants to be uh, an ally and supplier to NATO now. And they're like, let me help, let me help. Let me give our stuff to, to uh, Ukraine. You know, it's a great place to showcase and be a big player and boost the economy. Another element of the weapons that really hasn't been tested much
1: this war, but I think as time progresses, you might see more of it, is more of a drone war. Now, the Ukrainians have been successful because they got small armaments, drone type, and they're able to use it. They didn't need a big army to send a drone up in the air with a missile and then shoot at a convoy and then stop it. This is something the Russians, the Ukrainians didn't have before and the Russians didn't build on. Now, the Russians have used, you would say, old types of weapons, reliable, big tanks, big convoys, but not sophisticated little drones, little aircrafts, not manned by people. They haven't done that yet. Now, when you're saying, yes, the Russians still have that power to do it. Yes, they might have the power to do it. But have they actually done it yet? No. Do they have the experience to use it? Have they used it? They might have used it in Syria against ISIS or where they were fighting there not in a scale that was part of the Russian military tactics of using it. And that is something that the Russians haven't done yet. So that's something to look into as well. When you see that the Russians are going to use more of that stuff, you realize the Russians have not given up yet, and they still, have a, they still think they can get it, do these things. But the Russian industry, as far as we understand it, is not really geared to that kind of weapon. It's more the old-style weapons. So that is something to look into.
0: Are we in a second Cold War? Did we ever leave the first?
1: Well, we left the 1st and not in winter yet, so it's not cold yet, is it? Are we in a second Cold War? I don't know. We're in something.
0: Let's look at something that's happening, for instance. Brittany Griner, WNBA basketball player in Russia. Yes. Was in Russia playing basketball during the off-season, and she was caught carrying a uh, cannabis oil vape cartridge. Yes which uh, carries several years sentence in Russia. She's a very well-known WNBA player. And, of course, Russia's making a big deal out of this. It's, they're right, technically, legally, you know, illegally carrying a thing that is contraband, blah, 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 blah. But she just confessed to uh, carrying it as well. So maybe it was planted, maybe not. Anyway, she's confessed to it. This has been a big deal, big news. Russia using this as potentially a chip, A bargaining tool against America. Something that we definitely saw during the Cold War of all these things being interrelated. And uh, there's talk now of doing a a trade with a Russian weapons trafficker, Victor Bout, who was sentenced to 25 years, uh, maybe to trade for the two of them. Is this related to everything that's going on? I think certainly if this was a different time period, maybe this would not have been as big of a deal. What do you think? Well, First of all, human rights is not
1: uh, something very... Uh, Russia you know, isn't known for its human rights. Is uh, Russia is saying. known very well for its human rights and how they re- regard, re- disregard, re- disregard and deal with people. And it's okay. You know, it's, it's part of the game. She shouldn't have been there. She shouldn't have been there in the first place. No, I mean, she was playing basketball in Russia. Uh, okay. okay, she played basketball. You don't walk around with certain things, you know, can be troublem- can be problematic. She did. They would have found something else. They could have planted on her something. If they really wanted to make an issue, they could have, and they did. Well, they're making an issue of this. They're making an issue. It's, it's bargaining chips in the later mm-hmm. stage, and that's okay. The Russians have, as you mentioned, Viktor Bott, who is someone who's been instrumental for the Russians and was selling Russian weapons to all sorts of devious countries around the world many years ago. Okay, he's one of others that might, they want to exchange eventually. It's part of the game. Part of the game.
0: And, Cold War uh, game.
1: It's part of a Cold War game. Yes, you know the same way the Iranians uh, uh, hold all sorts of uh, students or people who have double nationalities, yeah. and then they try and uh, uh, play games that they get uh, or concessions from the West. The West doesn't play those games, but they arrest people accordingly. The West plays but the games too. yes, but they don't just do it just for the for that. Let's point of talk view.
0: about some other things. Okay. Latvia has begun to. Um, issue mandatory military service as part of a um, deterrence or fear or strengthening of its nation let's talk about boris johnson's resignation boris johnson was i believe if i'm not mistaken the first western leader to travel to kiev during the conflict a couple months ago he uh, was compared to churchill churchillian adjectives thrown his way and he was very against Russia and pro ukraine, and he's just resigned this is this is bad for Ukraine it is good bad for Russia, yes, whether it's good or bad for the United Kingdom is a whole other discussion but was Russia involved? Did they have anything to do about this quite quite possible that they did we don't
1: know. I wouldn't know. go into speculations. I think it was brought on by its own in domestic politics, but that's not the main issue. The main issue is that it did it we can Ukraine, yes. Did it strengthen Russia? Yes. Is it good for Ukraine that Boris Johnson's leaving?
0: No. Is it good for Russia that he's leaving? Yes. So, who is the leader of European resistance? Is it Biden? Not even European. Was it Boris Johnson? Perhaps. Is it Macron? Who leads European resistance? Now. Exactly. You shrug. No one saw the shrug, but that was a big shrug. <laughs> is it a shrug? So this is um, definitely a boon for Russia. I mean, I'm not saying that Boris Johnson did lead European resistance against Russia. No, he didn't lead, but but he was a figurehead who who voiced his voice out. Exactly. Yes. So who is there now? Macron. You would say
1: Macron would, uh, in some ways, feel more comfortable. He's in the second term as president. His position has just
0: recently been shook with uh, election results in
1: France. Yes, but he's still the president and he's been around. The Germans have always been the leaders, but Merkel is not uh, in charge anymore, insur- anymore so, so they don't have a strong... Exactly. So it's, it's So who is? Who? But that's not the point. The point, if you're looking at it, even though people of Biden, Ge- I'll skip that one. Uh, even though, because it's not European. Exactly. But if you look at it from the point of view of personalities, the fact that there's no one and still stays, that's the strength. That is a strength that is not just based on personality. It shows continuity, it shows unity, and it shows or sends a message that no matter who leads in the different countries in Europe, the message is the same. They will not tolerate it. It doesn't mean they're going to fight and send arms, uh, send uh, people. No, that's not what is going to happen. And it never was, and they never did, and that wasn't on the books. And I think Zelensky realized that as well. And from the beginning, he said, bring me ammunition, bring me uh, equipment. We will do the fighting. Yes, volunteers came. Very nice. Again, puts them in the, these countries into a, situ- a scenario where they have their citizens sentenced to death. Can they do anything about it? No, it's part of the game. But that's what happens. Um, 139 days have gone by. Mm-hmm. When we do one next one in in two hundred and seventy seventh day, I hope not. I hope not either. What will be the scenario? Does it does the world still care about the war in Ukraine? Does it make a difference? Who takes what village in what area and what place? No, people well, will the, l- the, lose interest.
0: The, this is already people have lost interest. Exactly. It's not front page news. It's not There's no the hundreds time. of ref-
1: millions of refugees crossing the
0: border. Well, even the refugees that are, they're different type of refugees in Europe, so they don't care as much, to be perfectly blunt and frank. You know, these are... Quote, unquote, or not PC correct, they're white European refugees coming to other white European nations. It's not as much of a big deal. And Christians. And Christians. It's, uh, it, that's the, the reality of the situation. But we have not talked really about the elephant in the room, or would be more apt for them, the wingless dragon in the room. What's that? I don't know what you're talking about. China. China? Taiwan. Last episode on this, we made a point of saying if I were Taiwan, I would be watching this very closely. China is, of course, of the great superpowers of the world, the rising dragon, the rising phoenix, who's already risen, you could say. The United States is uh, maybe no longer on the ascent and perhaps stagnating and perhaps even descending in its power. Russia was trying to reassert itself. Europe lost its importance as individual nations, but uh, as a united front as something, sure. And we have China. China as the other great power. And what is China doing? Well, it's supporting Russia to an extent. Not fully and 100% overtly and all that, but certainly hasn't come and condemned Russia and done any of this, still doing business with it. Ideologically, they come from similar places, and what is Taiwan thinking? thoughts I think they'll be encouraged
1: because the Western America have stood behind their statements and not prepared to give in to what has happened doesn't mean they 'll fight the war, but Biden was very he gave a statement I think. Cup some weeks ago, saying that uh, they would uh, stand beside Taiwan if China's aggression goes against them. I don't think that Taiwan should be worried at this stage. I think they would be worried in the beginning if Russia would have been able to take over Ukraine. I think Taiwan would have been much more worried. Taiwan's much smaller. Yes, I know. I'm aware of it. It's an island.
0: Not a particularly big one either.
1: No. But Taiwan you mentioned is in it's a different episode how much can
0: the world afford to ignore or support this situation
1: well we're in a world where you lose interest very quickly on certain issues people not interested you look about Ukraine war is no longer on the front page it's not important it's not interest it's important it is is it interesting no people when you read an article on about Ukraine do you read it Nah, you just go to the next thing about some other, uh, someone else doing something somewhere else in some other country. Ukraine is like, okay, heard about that news. It has to be something very dramatic. And that's why I feel that Zelensky and Ukraine have to realize that as it goes on longer,
0: they, gonna, takes its toll. they
1: will lose the support that they might have at the moment from everyone in the West. And that's another reason why they have to come to some kind of a compromise. As you said, they're not going to, they don't want to, they don't like it. But the reality of it is that as long as Russia has forces on the ground, and they still can use much more strong forces, the Russians will have to realize they cannot take over Ukraine. The Ukrainians will realize they cannot take back some of the territories that the Russians took. When the both sides realize each one of them, the situation... That's when the next stage will happen. Well, and the, the next cards, stage will happen again on the economical battle. And that's where Ukraine can win. Right.
0: Well, the cards really are on Russia's side. Yeah. And Why do you say that? Because it's up to Putin to decide what to do. Really. Okay, yes. Zelensky can't come to Putin and say, look, we're willing to stop fighting and you take it yours. Putin doesn't care. That's not a victory for him. Again, it's, it, it's on Putin's table. It's his turn. It's his play. Whatever metaphor you want to use and like the first quote he feels that he's backed into a corner and doesn't have the exit the win he has no reason to that's stop why you have plus to give he has him the nuclear to, option
1: that's why you have to give he him can the, still has that's more power. why you
0: have to give him it's not nice but you have to give him a victory a victory and as far as he's concerned though he's one of the wealthiest people on the planet okay as far as the Kims are concerned in Korea everything's just fine and perhaps Putin doesn't Mind that being Russia's future, at least for the time being, a pariah state like North Korea. Why would he, if he lives in his golden throne? No, it's not the same. No? No. If you're Ukraine's intelligence service, how do you operate in a time like this? What are you focusing on? Internal threats? External are you more worried about people inside your nation currently, perhaps working for Russia? Or are you trying to figure out what's going on with Putin and what's going on with Russia?
1: The survival of the regime is the most important thing. If you look now, even at Sri Lanka, what's happening, you would say, what, 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 do you, what can you do if, all the, if the people go against you? You're appointed by the president or the prime minister to take care of the country, but you're to take care of them as well. When everything collapses, what do you do? You go down to the basics. The basics are in Ukraine that the country was under massive attack by an enemy. And the first thing you have to do is to make sure that the government and the institutes are protected. And the people and the president and the the ministers are protected. That's the number one thing they have to do as an internal service. Make sure that no one can harm the symbols of the country. Keep Zelensky safe. Keep Zelensky safe. Keep the channels open. Make sure that the people who are trying to, to harm them are not around. Stop anyone from trying to do anything to stop it. And use your connections and contacts to get more aid, more military, more economic, whatever it is, to keep the country going. Rely on your friends from other intelligence organizations to give the information that can help you that you can't get. If it's about Russia and about Russian forces, There's enough intelligence organizations out there who are looking at
0: what the Russians are doing. They don't have to look at it themselves. Very interesting. So you would say, focus internal. That's your expertise now. That's what you should do. And the external on Russia, let your allies help you. Yes,
1: yes. I would say that's the direction that you would go. It's just, uh, of course, you have a lot of Ukrainians who are in Russia, a lot of maybe... Russians who are not happy with what's going on who are willing to give you information but the amount of work you have to do to to talk to them to meet them it's more tactical intelligence for internal usage and for the bigger picture you rely on your
0: allies I mean there's a tech blackout in Russia too you know all the tech companies and different things left and they're kind of becoming like China and then blocking different sites and outlets and different things so so getting information out of there is trickier
1: well, do we really know what is going on in Russia economics? Do we know how the people are uh, happy about it? Well, we could watch Russian state
0: media and see if everything's fine. <laughs> well, yes, but... Uh, they started their own McDonald's and ran out of French fries. Well, they didn't call them French fries. They called them Russian fries. Yes.
1: Do we really know what goes on? No. These are uh, uncertain times as they are, but the longer the time, the longer it goes on, the appetite for the West to assist will drizzle to very few and not a lot, unless something dramatic happens, as you said, like taking over some major cities using non-conventional weapons or assassinations of symbols of the state in both sides that might change the picture. And I think the Russians as well understand, if they assassinate Zelensky, it's just, maybe it's a good uh, victory for their point of view but it won't change the picture
0: well it'll martyrize him for sure
1: yes so if we look at now we're talking about what's the end game here as i said i would like us to look and focus on the economic situation i think that's the key to understand how in the end it will end
0: was this whole situation an intelligence failure
1: yes from the russian point of view not from the from from the ukrainians in the west you could say yes or no the fact that the Russians felt that they could walk in and take over Ukraine is a failure.
0: And so if they knew that, they would never have done this, in your opinion? They would have... Or limited the
1: operation 11, much Limited more. the
0: operations and made sure that the objectives are more realistic. Yeah. Which goes back to our old friend Sun Tzu. Victorious warriors win first and then go to war, while defeated warriors go to war first and then seek to win. And often, then, do they find themselves cornered looking for that exit? Correct. We'll end the episode with some words from the Ukrainian or potentially Russian poet Nikolai Gogol. Two turtle doves will show thee where my cold ashes lie, and sadly murmuring tell thee how in tears. I did die. This was Spies and Lies. Thanks for listening. And remember... You always have to save face.
1: Even though you want to win, you're probably not going to get everything you want. And sometimes knowing how to find a way to allow your
0: opponent... Safe face is more important than beating him. Spies and Lies is a Grumpy Golem production with original scoring and mastering by Julian Duceau. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to share with your friends and leave a comment or review wherever you listen from. Thanks for listening. Until next time.